Welcome to the Community Health Alliances podcast brought to you by Monarch Healthcare Management as a donation to Care Resource Connection. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Steve Coring, the Fire Chief in the City of St. Louis Park. And I'm Amy Looked, the CEO of Care Resource Connection. And welcome back. Uh, we, today we have an exciting discussion that I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, on the podcast today, we have Anna Fearman. Uh, she's a public health advocate with the Minnesota Disability Law Center. Uh, everything I've heard about Anna is that she's a fierce advocate for the disability community, and she's dedicated her career to really addressing the inequities that are faced by members of the disability community, uh, herself included. So. I'm not going to spend a lot of time because uh, I'd love to hear the story and uh, and hear about the work that you're doing, Anna. So welcome to the podcast and tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Um, so I work for the Minnesota Disability Law Center um, and we are Minnesota's protection and advocacy system. Um, so essentially, Congress and I think 1973 is uh, passed a law that every state um, needs to have a protection advocacy system in order to, as the name sounds, um, protect and advocate for people with disabilities and the rights of people with disabilities. Um, so what that means here is we provide free legal services for people with disabilities in Minnesota on issues relating to their disability, um, regardless of income, um, and, and we really set certain priority legal service areas um, each year. Um, and currently they include, we do um, representative payee reviews. So representative payees are people who manage money for those who um, receive benefits and things. Um, we, we focus on community services and integration of people with disabilities into our communities. Um, preventing abuse and neglect, voting rights, special education, kind of a, a wide variety of service areas. Um, and those services really include anything from representing clients in court hearings or appeals to helping like, provide information so that people can understand their rights and how to best advocate for themselves, um, helping people to secure access to supports and services or waivers or things like that. Um, and then we also work on a more systemic level to make recommendations for policy changes and, and various advocacy activities. So kind of a wide, a wide variety of different things. <laughs> that does sound like uh, a lot of layers. Uh, I, I think one of the things that comes as I was thinking about it when you were talking, so many times we see folks who, through whatever things are going on in their life who have reached some level of vulnerability who really don't understand how to access those those basic you know opportunities for resources how how do people access you and 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 how does that how does that come about and then how do you manage that process yeah yeah so we have an intake line we have a great intake staff um, that you know when someone calls into us um, they talk about their legal issue, um, and then 
they're able to direct them either if that's something that fits within our services we provide or if there are other community organizations that um, they could refer folks to that might have, you know, might better be equipped to, to, to address whatever issue they're, they're, um, they're facing. Um, and that I can give that number too. Um, our, our intake line is six one two three three four five nine seven zero. Um, and I cannot speak highly enough of our of our intake staff. They listen to folks' their stories and their experiences, and really um, are great connectors um, to resources, whether that be with us or outside of our organization. I also should mention too that we are part of a larger organization as well, Mid Minnesota Legal Aid, that they also provide free legal services um, on civil legal matters. Um, they're a little bit different because they only serve a certain section of the state, but there are legal aid organizations throughout the state, so the whole state is covered by different organizations. Um, and, and they, again, it's no charge for, for their services as well. Um, and they cover issues, anything from immigration law to housing discrimination to they have an elder justice program, so a, a pretty wide variety of, of issues there as well. Well, that's, go ahead, Amy. Oh, and I was just going to just clarify. So I, I understand Mid-Minnesota Legal Aid, um, the larger organization is able to help in, in certain areas of Minnesota, but as far as the uh, Disability Law Center, that covers the entire state, correct? Yes, yeah. We cover the entire state. Um, and then Legal Aid covers kind of the metro region by counties, but there are other legal aid organizations throughout the state um, and that, that folks can access as well. So one of the things that we see, you know, through the work in our Community Health Alliance and this, and I'm, as we in other cities, as other cities come on board with this, uh, with this work, I think we, we, we see the vulnerability, we see the disparity, the disparities that are occurring in our communities, particularly with, with our disability community. And it was really evident during COVID. Um, where do you think, what would be the top three things that you see are priorities uh, that you tend to, you know, if, if a, as things come in, they always seem to fall under these two or three categories of need. How, do, how does that look? Yeah, I would say um, in terms of the public health needs that we that we see come in, um, top priority would really be access to quality care, um, and so sometimes that means transportation um, difficulties to get to a clinic or things like that. But then, as well, that also means you know once we even get to a clinic or, or accessing healthcare you know, through a healthcare worker or something like that, um, the ways in which people understand how to interact with people with disabilities respectfully and to really serve people with disabilities well, um, that's one of the big issues that we that we notice. Um, in terms of other, other public health, I know I already touched on transportation, but transportation is I would say up there as well, not just relating to medical um, issues, but transportation, you know, affects every avenue of, of folks' lives um, from ability to be integrated in their community, to live in their own homes, to, you know, 
go to work to anything, you know, just be active in a community. Um, that would be another, another pretty big area that we focus on. Um, and in terms of, of, you know, issues that we see as an organization, you know, I can't speak for the whole organization because I'm not on every one of our team meetings, but I would say a lot of issues arise, you know, with, that we face um, are a lot of like, you know, maybe service providing, um, whether that be like county waivers or things like that, you know, folks not being able to find the or be approved for the amount of you know personal care attendance hours or things like that that they might need so we do a lot of appeals for for those sorts of services to help folks to get access to the the care supports that they really need to um to thrive amy shared with me that um you're doing some amazing work with uh, a video series that uh, is helping kind of communicate and fill in the blanks for a lot of those questions. Can you tell us a little about a little bit about that? I think it's called in our own words. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in our own words, um, improving care for people with disabilities, full title, kind of wordy. We just call it in our own words. <laughs> um, but that was a, a video series that we created to, um, to really educate healthcare providers and the general public about um, how people with disabilities would like to be treated when they are accessing health care. Um, and so it, it's a series of two short videos that feature interviews with people with disabilities of, you know, a whole wide range of different disabilities, um, talking about their experiences that they've had and, and kind of how they prefer to be treated um, and really having an honest conversation um, and, and that series was really, really born out of um, kind of first came came to my head um, through my own experiences, but just kind of with healthcare providers or things like that that left kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Just you know, having practitioners maybe invalidate my medical concerns because I was actually told once, you know, that's just how people like you are sometimes or things like that. Um, and then hearing, coming to the Disability Law Center and, and really hearing clients reach out to us with similar issues that maybe didn't raise to the level of a legal, a legal case, um, but still needed to be addressed. And we really saw a big need there. Um, you know, issues like folks um, who are deaf or hard of hearing or deaf blind, not being given an interpreter um, for medical appointments, that obviously would be raised to the level of a legal case, but or just general assumptions about disability or materials not being available to them in a timely matter, you know, in Braille or large print or, you know, just different access issues that we really saw there being just a lot of barriers to accessing quality care. So that's kind of what what brought on the series. Um, and really the great, the great part about this is it truly is driven by the community of people that we represent, people with disabilities. Um, essentially when, when I interviewed them for, for the video project, they, I just simply asked, you know, how do you want to be treated or, or what are your, 
healthcare experiences and they kind of took it from there um, for the specific things that, you know, they had experienced or they um, would like to change. Um, and they're all pretty simple, simple changes. They're not, they're not a lot of like huge things that take major, you know, policy changes within systems or things like that. Obviously there are those issues, but we really wanted this video project to be a tool um, that, you know, maybe healthcare providers could use um, and just get some quick, you know, get them thinking about disability and disability health equity. Um, but also that, that, you know, our clients could use or that other people with disabilities or even just general people in the community could use as a, as an advocacy tool for themselves to make sure that they are receiving the quality of care that they deserve. Absolutely. And I'm so excited to have these videos um, continue to go out into the community and, and also be able to utilize those as resources as we're coming together with our our group in this grant, the Regional Health Equity Network grant that I know you've been helping us in Anoka County um, and just continuing to bring awareness to uh people with disabilities and I, I applaud you for, for all your dedication. And can you just share with our listeners, Anna, where they can find the, the video series? Yeah, the, the video series can be found on mid Minnesota legal aid's YouTube page. So if you just go on YouTube and search mid Minnesota legal aid, um, it should be right at the top of, of their, their video um, content on there. And there's two parts. So there's part one, um, which is uh, com communication, um, and part two is understanding disability. We kind of separated it into two general themes there. When you were doing this work and kind of in what the feedback, what have you heard from the videos series? Is I guess the I guess the other question would be, what are you learning about? Um, your work and then also what are you learning about what gaps exist uh as people look at it and they're shocked or surprised or i had no idea you know those are the kind of things i would guess are happening what are you learning about that that that's helping you guide some of your work yeah i would say um one of the things that i i've really learned um kind of coming into public health spaces i I, I come from a disability background. I've, I've been doing disability work my whole career and honestly since about middle school have been in, involved in disability advocacy. Um, and so to me, it was just kind of a given that disability and public health are very closely intertwined um, and that disability was a health equity issue. Um, but kind of one of the learning things for me um, in, in this process was that not, that's not a given to to everyone. Um, kind of the assumption, there can be assumptions that that maybe you know people with disabilities might be predisposed to having poor health, and and in reality, that's not that's not the case. Um, people with disabilities, just because they have a disability, does not necessarily mean that they have poor health. I think the statistic is that also disabilities are four times more likely to report their health to be fair or poor. Um, and that's 
completely unrelated to their disability. Um, so clearly, there's there's a gap there in in the in health equity, um, and with people with disabilities being the single largest minority group in the United States, um, I think the CDC estimates that about one in four people have a disability. Um, you know, that, that is a big area where there's a big gap, I think, in our health equity conversations. And I really applaud CARE for, um, for, for recognizing this issue and, and bringing, bringing groups together to talk about health equity and to, to bring new groups into the conversation about how we can improve health in our communities. And um, really, uh, you know, applaud you. I know um, St. Louis, uh, um, I know that 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 is um, it was Park is, is is really working on that issue as well, and I I think that it's a very very needed thing to bring different groups because also people with disabilities um, overlap with a lot of other different um, underserved groups um, like people of color, mm-hmm. the LGBTQIA community, um, and so that I think that's something that's really important about the work that you're doing is is bringing those groups together so that we can take a, an approach to public health that recognizes and addresses the challenges that come with being part of a multi-marginalized, you know, having a multi-marginalized identity. Um, and that's something that I really, really, um, appreciate. I know that went off topic from your question. Like It fed right into another thought <laughs> process I had. And, uh, and Amy and I talk about this all the time. It's the, 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 the basic difference between public health and community health and how um, public health and community health, while they're kind of partners or collaborative, they, uh, they are two specific different disciplines. And being able to focus specifically on community-specific needs uh, through the lens of community health supported by a public health structure, I think, is how we we, we look at this. I, as I think mm-hmm. about how public health, though, is um, a challenge, was that there's a lot of, I think, I think the pandemic kind of, I think a lot of people moved out of public health into retirement or other areas uh, of, mm-hmm. of discipline, but I think the, the old school concepts of public health seem to be some, they, they create sometimes barriers or silos that make it hard for, for collaboration to exist. How do you, as a, as a public health advocate, how do you, how do you make that story and how do you remove those barriers so that discussions like this can take place? Yeah, I, I would really say that, um, it's incredibly, incredibly important, as you well know, to to constantly be having conversations about, you know, what groups are being left out of the work that we are doing and how can we pull more people, how can we bring more people to the table to have those conversations and, you know, what, what areas are we not considering, um, whether that be groups of people or whether that be, you know, facets of general health. Um, so I would, to me, that, that would be a huge, um, that's, that's a huge area to, to consider as you're, um, as, as we're like 
I would almost consider we're kind of emerging in a new public health or community health yeah as I think about it it's sometimes hard for people to give up control right people think they have to they have to control the process and own it and I think it's really less about owning it and more about it's more about the patient, right? It's more about what the patient mm-hmm. needs, not about what each organization in the process needs to feel valued. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's really why, to go back to our, our video project, that's really why we wanted this. You know, I kind of had views of what my own experiences were in accessing healthcare and the barriers that I faced, but I really wanted this to be a project that was led directly by people like other people with disabilities and have a variety of different people, um, you know, discussing. And that was, that's one of the key takeaways I think from our video project as well is, you know, we, in the video series, we have people who have kind of opposing viewpoints about, you know, how, how they, how to best accommodate them. And I think that's a very important point is that not every one person is the same and, and, you have to listen to the person directly because they know themselves and they know what works for them and they know, um, they don't know their own bodies. They know, you know, that sort of thing. And so people can be one of the big things that I came away with in, in this project is that people can be really well-meaning and still cause harm, um, through assumptions or through, you know, they might be trying to, I, I don't think ever, I don't think care, people who are in the public health or community health spheres um, ever really intend harm by, by assumptions that they make or by, you know, the way that they do their work. But I think it's really important to recognize that, that people can be very well-meaning and be, you know, trying hard, um, but can still cause, cause harm by, um, you know, by their actions. Agreed, agreed. And I think now that we've got year two coming on to the the REN grant, which the second year, I really want to be able to lead by your example, Anna, because I think we've had the community listening conversations where we're hearing from a diverse group of folks in their own words, right? Um, when mm-hmm. we all came together in the beginning, we said, let's invite, let's create a space where we're invited and we're listening and we're learning. Um, and now we've created that space and others are wanting to join into the conversation. And now I, I look at it as it's, it's almost our responsibility, our community responsibility as good neighbors to be able to really look at each individual community and knowing what the needs are and hearing the voices from those that are directly impacted that with these gaps. Um, you can't just continue to go and build bridges and expect things to be fixed. We need to be able to go in and, and hear and, and bring them into the conversation and, and have them be part of the solution. Because um, at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, your organization touches my heart too, because I have a, a daughter with autism and I have a daughter on the LGBTQ spectrum. Um, and so we just, it's, it's one of those things where there, there needs to be more conversations about inclusion and, and equity and, and just really listening and making sure that these folks are getting the the access and the appropriate care that they need. Absolutely. And, and how, you know, it's so important, I think, to, to understand too, like I've, we've had conversations about Amy, like how mm-hmm. um, 
appropriate care means different things to different people. And, um, and, you know, really when we're providing that care, taking that into account and, and asking people, you know, what, what their needs are and what their, you know, how can we best accommodate them or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm very appreciative of, of that, um, that your, your focus is on, on that as well. Yeah, I think we make some good partners um, with the, the new upcoming age-friendly grant and then our um, new engagement in the communities to really start helping in, in those gaps where we have our, our group home communities. I think that's another underserved population that we need to start having more conversations around. Yeah, absolutely. And and one thing I would add, too, is um, as a takeaway that I've, I've kind of had from this project that connects to what you're saying is, you know, um, in my mind, making things more accessible for people with disabilities makes it more accessible for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having those, I, I think of just to use an example, like I, like closed captioning on TV shows or movies that wasn't, you know, used and invented to help people who are deaf or hard of hearing to be able to access, you know, the same content that, that others are viewing on their TVs that I even, um, being a hearing person, I even use that because it is, I, I just like to be able to read it and it's more, it's helpful when things are quiet or, or things like that. Um, that's, that's a kind of a silly example, but, um, just I think of that in terms of public health and, and how, you know, there are certain things that, that we, changes we can make or different ways we, we treat folks or, or, you know, work in those health, community health spaces that, you know, making things accessible to people in different communities, I think helps everyone as a whole, um, which is I'm really glad. Anna, I'm really glad, Anna, that I'm not the only person who does that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do it all the time. Yeah, well, um, you know, you're a extremely busy woman, and uh, and I and I'm really inspired by a lot of the work you do. And and we have a, about a, a couple minutes left here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the work you're doing to kind of bring this Masters of Public Health program to the University of Minnesota? Yeah. So I'm actually, um, I, I'm myself, I'm starting a, a public health degree. I'm getting my own degree um, at the University of Minnesota in the fall. Um, but I, one of the things I've kind of already noticed is that disability, there's been a lot of disability specific um, content in, in classes so far and things. Um, and so that is an area that I fully plan to kind of, I'll, I'll be still working with the disability law center at that point, so fully plan to kind of, pull those those concepts into into classes as much as we can and into the, the curriculum of the public health programs at the U of M because I think that a lot of, you know, if we can kind of incorporate that from the start, incorporate um, consideration of different groups like people with disabilities from the start of folks with education in, in different areas, I think that that can really make a, make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's the adage of, if you want something done, give it to somebody who's busy. So uh, I have complete confidence that uh, you're going to make that happen. So we're kind of at the end of our time here, but I, I, I want to tell you, I've, I've really learned a great deal. I'm excited that you're part of this conversation. I know Amy's inspired by the work you do, and I think there's all kinds of opportunities for us to learn and to benefit from that work. So again, for our listeners, you know, 
tune in and, and pay attention to uh, the work that Ann is doing at the um, at this organization, the Minnesota Disability Law Center. Check out those YouTube videos uh, and become part of the part of the work to improve uh, the lives for everybody around us. So. Amy, anything else? I'm just thankful, Anna, that you're part of our Community Health Alliance and the community work that Care Resource Connection is doing to broaden the conversation in every community we touch in regards to health equity and access. So yes, until- and thank you for inviting me to be a part of the conversation. And I really, um, again, just want to say, um, really appreciate the work that you're doing to bring different groups into community health. Perfect. All right. Until next time, to our listeners, uh, stay tuned for the next podcast. Thank you, Anna, and good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye now. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Please tune in next Wednesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts.